Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from this morning, September 3rd, Labor Day weekend. We had a bigger crowd than I would have expected on a Labor Day weekend, so that was good. The theme for the morning was also the title of the sermon, To Be Still, and we did a lot of silent prayer. We did a body prayer during the prayer time, and this is the sermon. Actually, it was called Be Still and Know, coming from Psalm 46, verse 10, which was read as the Old Testament lesson. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. You may be seated. As many of you know, across the year we have been reading the Bible through cover to cover in our program called The Daily Walk, some Old Testament, some New Testament, a psalm, and some Proverbs each day. With the psalms, if you've noticed, we're going through them twice. We finished the 150 the first time, and we're now on the second pass. And before we leave that for good, I wanted to pause at Psalm 46. We did the first part of it this morning as the call to worship, and Ken read the second part as the Old Testament reading. It's a relatively famous psalm. It's the one that Martin Luther used as his inspiration for his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And there's also a bit of biblical trivia that's associated with it. So I'm going to give you a fun homework assignment for next week and see who can find the answer to this question when you come back. If you've been with Bible studies with me before and you know the answer to this, just keep quiet and bring it next week. When the Bible is translated into English and other languages, it's been common practice for the group doing the translator to find not only a good translator, but a good poet who can take the translation, especially of the poetic parts of scripture, and really make them into wonderful poetry. We turn back often again and again to the Psalms in the King James Version of the Bible, 
Not because the King James is easier to understand, because it isn't. It was written in 1611, it represents the British Elizabethan English, and it's not easier to understand. But we go back to it because it's beautiful. Now, some claim that the poet who made the Psalms poetry for the King James translation coded his name into the book of Psalms, and that he did it here in Psalm 46. So, to figure this out, you have to find a King James version of the Bible. It doesn't work in other versions, only in the King James. And turn to Psalm 46. And then skipping the words that are like the introduction that says a psalm of whoever and for these musical instruments, count down 46 words. You're in Psalm 46. You count down 46 words from the top. And then you go to the end and skipping the little selah word that's not really part of the psalm at the end, count backwards 46 words, put those two words together, and you have the name of the poet. So Psalm 46, 46 words down, 46 words back up, and, but only in the King James, not going to work in something else. So that's your homework assignment for this, for this week, and I'll ask next week and see who's able to come up with it. There's a lot of comfort that's in this psalm as we think about God as our refuge and our strength, our mighty fortress. But there's also just a great piece of wisdom down in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. In many ways, our culture today is much more still than it used to be. Many of us sit at desks all day, spend hours sitting in a car or a plane commuting from here to there. We sit in front of computer, computer and television screens. I even have a little TV screen that comes up on my computer screen, so I do it all at the same time. Many of us are so still that it's causing us health problems. But the word used in Psalm 46 doesn't just mean to sit. It means to still the mind as well as the body. It means to relax, to let things drop, to abandon, to withdraw, to refrain. And most of us don't do that kind of stillness much at all. We've simply swapped out physical labor for mental labor and traded the still small voice within for voices that come at us from without the music from our iPods, the opinions on the radio, the diversions of the TV, and the information on the Internet. Many people actually fear being still, to really stop doing things and just be. Somebody once pointed out that we were meant to be human beings and not human doings. But we often find it hard to truly stop and see what might wait for us in the silence. According to the psalmist, it's God who waits in the stillness. Remember back when we read through the stories of Elijah, and he got depressed, and he felt that he was all alone doing God's work, and he went up a mountain to take up his complaint with God. And there was an earthquake, it says, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And there was a great wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then it says, came the sound of sheer silence. 
I love that phrase. And that's where God was, and that's where God spoke and ministered to Elijah. Be still and know that I am God. In order to really connect with God, from time to time, we need that stillness. Not just sitting down, not just muting the TV, but a real time of withdrawal from all the things of the world. A time when we mentally as well as physically let go of work, refrain from taking up some nervous activity, abandon the efforts to think or talk our way into God's presence. A time when everything about us is still, like a lake on a calm day when you can see all the surrounding countryside like a mirror. It takes practice. When you've been used to constant activity and sound, sometimes being still for even 60 seconds is hard. And that's normal. But try it and increase the time. Maybe it's only 30 seconds at a time. Let go. It's a kind of fasting to give our full attention to God and be confident that God will run the world for a few minutes while we're still. One of the reasons that I have trouble sleeping at night is that I don't have enough still time and don't take enough still time during the day. When I finally decided that I've done enough for the day, shut everything off and prepare for bed, everything that God's been waiting to share with me comes rushing to the forefront. If you're looking at the Parsonage bedroom windows at night, which I sincerely hope you're not, (laughs) but often the light goes on and off and on and off and on and off because I'll lie down, and the minute I'm still and quiet, bang, there's a sermon idea, and I'll turn on the light, and I'll get up, and I'll write something down, and I'll shut back the light and go back to bed, and then, oh, I haven't seen that person in a while, and I'll get up and maybe send an email or write a note, and then I'll go back to bed, and on and off and on and off it goes, because it's the only time I've been quiet and had a chance for those things to come to the foreground. And other times I'm not still because I know what God is going to say when I get still, and I don't want to hear it, frankly. (laughs) And so I fill my time with other things so that It's kind of the equivalent of going, la, 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 la. God, I do not want to hear it. We're just not going to talk today. And other times, I'm afraid of what's inside of myself, and I know that there's just a lot of grief or emptiness or junk or whatever, that if I stop, it's just all going to come out. And I'm afraid sometimes of that letting go and letting down. And yet if that doesn't happen, it's never lifted out to God and God doesn't have a chance to heal it. When I can let go and abandon the diversions and let the pain rise to the surface, God can clean the wound and tend to me. It isn't hard for me to be in silence. I can drive for eight hours without once turning on the radio or putting music in the car or anything like that. I can sit for an hour without sound of any kind. But that silence isn't always true stillness. My mind usually is going 100 miles a minute. I've written more sermons in the car than 
I can imagine, get, planning out the next event or thing that I've got to do. The mind is always going. So silence is good, but it's not just silence. It's the stillness of letting everything go just for a time. It'll still be there when we're done. We can pick it back up again. But to let it all go aside and leave room for God. And that's what the psalmist is advising of us, that we be still so we can truly know who God is, so that a relationship with God can develop, so that God can heal the broken places, speak the words that maybe we need to hear but don't want to hear. It's a spiritual discipline, just as much as worship or giving, prayer, and Bible study. In order for God to fill us, we have to first be empty. A full cup has no room for the wine of God. During our prayer time in a few minutes, we'll practice being still. And I'll tell you about that when we get there. But the point of the stillness is to let enough drop away that there's room then for God to fill us from the table of God's love that's set before us. God is surely our refuge and our strength. But we'll never be aware of that or know how real that can be until we learn to be still and know the depths of love that God has for us. The love that would come and live as one of us, die as one of us, for all of us. So come this morning and share in the Lord first in the stillness, and then at the table. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings.